Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Friday Buckeye Talk. Doug Lamarie, Stephen Means, talking recruiting, specifically Ohio State, Michigan recruiting. If you guys have been reading Cleveland.com this week, that's Cleveland.com slash OSU. You've seen our Michigan Week coverage. We're just writing about the rivalry, the game, the states of the programs at Ohio State and Michigan around the halfway point between last year's game and this year's game. And so We haven't been trying to hit you over the head with Michigan stuff on the pod this week because we did three heavy Michigan pods about three weeks ago, but we did want to touch on the recruiting, Stephen, and I think where we start, people listening to this have a handle on Ohio State recruiting. We still like to talk about it. We like to talk strategy. We like to talk about specific battles, but they have a little bit of a handle. Michigan right now in the class of 2024 at the moment has 17 commits On the 247 Sports Composite is ranked as the number two class. As we're in this process for the moment, Michigan's number two. They have 17 commits. Ohio State has 13 commits. Ohio State is number three. The idea, and we'll get back to the history in a second. Since Jim Harbaugh got there, the only year that Michigan had a higher ranked recruiting class than Ohio State was in 2019 when it was kind of the weird... Urban Meyer, Ryan Day crossover year. Every other year since Harbaugh got got going, Ohio's, Michigan's been good. Michigan's recruited well. Ohio State's recruited better. At the moment, Michigan's ahead. Is Michigan getting better at recruiting, Stephen? And if so, what should Ohio State fans think of that? Yes, but not better in a way that they're better. They're not better than Ohio State at it. I think is the best way to put it. They they haven't had a top 10 class since I think 21 and the highest rated class they've had under Jim Harbaugh was five back in 2017. So they've, they live in the teens. Typically the fact that they're this high is a combination of one, they're hitting early while also some of the other national powers have not hit early. We're in that little window here where the recruiting rankings look weird because Alabama hasn't come to play yet. And it, this happens every time we get to about end of May, June, where there's random team like Notre Dame is high right now. Uh, Georgia is really the only national power in Ohio State, the only national power where like their top five schools right ranking in the rankings right now. They'll probably be top five when we get to December. Michigan just has 17 commits and they have their quarterback who's a five star recruit, but it's it, right now. The quantity pushes you up to the top in the way that the quality doesn't necessarily always do until December. So the difference is Michigan's got 17 commitments right now, which is almost a near full class, while Ohio State's only halfway done with 13. So let's just run through the history real quick, starting with 2016, because Jim Harbaugh gets hired for the 2015 season, but you don't start that cycle because you're scrambling to fill that first class. First real class is in 2016. This is the overall class rankings from the 247 Sports Composite. 2016, Ohio State 4, Michigan 8. 2017, Ohio State 2, Michigan 5. 2018, Ohio State 2, Michigan 22. 2019, Michigan 8, Ohio State 14. But that obviously is more about Ohio State than it is about Michigan that year. 2020, Ohio State 5, Michigan 10. 2021, Ohio State 2, Michigan 13. 
That was 2021, 2-13. 2022, Ohio State 4, Michigan 9. 2023, Ohio State 5, Michigan 17. Class last year wasn't quite as good. And now here we are where at the moment Michigan 2 is 2 and Ohio State is 3. Let's talk about there are two particular head-to-head things in this class that, that are in right now that I think are interesting to talk about. And let's start at quarterback. We've made a meal justifiably, I think, out of the Kyle McCord, J.J. McCarthy quarterback situation. In the same class, J.J. McCarthy kind of wants the Ohio State offer. Ryan Day picks Kyle McCord. Look what J.J. McCarthy has done. He's already a playoff quarterback. Now we think that we're going to get that matchup this year. Kyle McCord versus J.J. McCarthy. It might be the only year we get it, or they both might be back in 24. We might get two versions of this. Obviously, Ohio State has Devin Brown. But they also have their Air Nolan on the horizon. They have Air Nolan mm-hmm. as the quarterback in this 2024 class. And Michigan has Jaden Davis as a guy that once upon a time Ohio State was at least looking at. Is this going to be a thing? Do you think that this Air Nolan, Jaden Davis, the quarterback recruitment, the decisions made there by both players, by both schools, can this be a defining point? in the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, potentially, by the time we get to, I don't know, maybe even as soon as 2025, but 2026, maybe 2027, are we going to see Jaden Davis, Air Nolan, boy, oh boy, two guys in the same class, two huge recruits at quarterback? Yes and no. It's not ever going to – well, I'm not going to say that because things happen. It's not going to be – this specific specific one is never going to be – the storyline narrative that this year's game is going to be, especially if Kyle McCord wins the job where it's like, these were the two options and Ryan day picked Kyle McCord and JJ McCarthy is ticked about it and has never stopped talking about it since it's never going to be that maybe you could get a JV version of that. Had Dylan Rayola still been in this class. Cause then it is kind of that concept, but even then it's not so much, Ryan Day picked this guy over the other guy or Jim Harbaugh picked this guy over the other guy. That was just normal quarterback recruiting where Jaden Davis had opportunities to commit to Ohio State had he wanted to and didn't. Um, and then Dylan Rayola was and then obviously flipped. And then Aaron Nolan came into the picture. There was a small conversation. They went to go visit Jaden Davis back in January. I believe Ohio State did, Corey Dennis and Ryan Day. And that didn't really amount to anything because both sides have maybe just kind of gone in different directions after that. So it's just normal quarterback recruiting. But of course, Jaden Davis will be asked about, Hey, you were almost Ohio State quarterback. Actually, it's probably similar to if Justin Fields had never committed to Penn state, but he was just so heavily a lean at Penn state at one point, that's probably the best way to view how Jaden Davis will probably get asked about his time being considered Ohio State's potential 2024 quarterback. While Aaron Nolan, he's kind of like a third party in all this. The idea of Michigan getting a quarterback like Jaden Davis, right? I, I again, mm-hmm. when Harbaugh got to Michigan, and I can remember, oh, no, I was gonna say I can remember, and I can't remember, but there was like a thing. It was Robert Griffin III and somebody else, like these quarterbacks, like were hanging out with Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. It's like, man, Jim Harbaugh, mm-hmm. he knows quarterbacks. He developed Andrew Luck. Urban Meyer wants to run his quarterbacks. I think Jim Harbaugh oh, is going to create a quarterback machine up there at Michigan. What's that going to mean for Ohio State? And it's like, no, Ryan Day created the quarterback machine at Ohio State. Right. But then J.J. McCarthy changes that calculus. All of a sudden, you go from getting Shea Patterson, who was a big-time recruit out of high school, but you get him as a transfer from Ole Miss. You, like, John O'Corn's in there, and Jake Rudock had success, but he's an Iowa transfer. And you're just – Cade McNamara is fine, but you're kind of – feels like Michigan's patching it together at quarterback. And then J.J. McCarthy is a big-time get and has a plan. And guess what? It worked. Like, I'm not saying – no one's saying J.J. McCarthy's Caleb Williams, but they got to the playoff with him. And he seems to have raised the ceiling at the position, at least the expectations of it for 2023. Now here we are, right? They don't, they're not getting a guy like that every year, but that JJ McCarthy, at least from a recruiting standpoint, isn't a one-off. It's like they got a five-star in 21 at quarterback. And now in 24, they have another five-star. How impactful do you think Jaden Davis can be for Michigan? And do you think, could he change? Listen, they're running the ball like crazy. They're getting these offensive line guys in the transfer portal. I don't know that Jaden Davis is going to single-handedly change the identity of Michigan football. Yeah. 
but he, could he be more impactful, better, more dangerous, more dynamic? A guy that Ohio State has to worry about more, even than J.J. McCarthy? Like, how good do you think Jaden Davis is? And are you at all surprised in the end that he did pick Michigan? Because, again, they don't exactly chuck it around up there. No, I'm not shocked. He had been kind of leaning towards Michigan for months and months and months now. He just finally popped this spring. It's it's hard with Jaden Davis. It's 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 hard with these quarterbacks who pop early and are considered so highly recruited so early because it feels like there comes a point when the w- world cools on them some as late bloomers come along. And so I think he's a top 100 recruit. I don't know if he'll end this cycle as a – I don't know if by the time they get to the final rankings he'll be a five-star or not, and that's just because other quarterbacks arise. We're going to find out a lot about Jaden Davis this summer at the Elite 11 camp, which is why a lot of these major recruiting sites are holding off on massive changes to the recruiting rankings for quarterbacks because I think this is a bigger class where there's a lot of guys who might make some movement. But I do think that he is a talented enough quarterback in a way that he can be – what C.J. Stroud was for Ohio State if J.J. McCarthy is what Justin Fields was, where it's finally, you've had some guys in here, but it's never really been, like Michigan's had some five-star quarterbacks, some highly rated quarterbacks, but it's never really worked out. Shea Patterson, you just pointed out. J.J. McCarthy's the first one where it feels like Michigan got a highly rated guy and he's kind of awesome. Maybe he's a first-round pick next spring, maybe he's not, but he's kind of awesome there. And then J.J., and then, Jaden Davis comes in and maybe kind of stamps that and validates it in a way that if you think it now, like maybe Michigan's becoming a bit of a quarterback school, even if it's in, in a different way, even if it's not passing the ball around 30 times a game and having elite receivers, but it's good enough quarterback play for what Michigan wants to do. If you're starting to think it, JJ, uh, J, too many J's, Jaden Davis is the guy who can maybe validate that in a way that JJ, JJ McCarthy just has you thinking it now. So just looking at what's out there, I think, I'm reading the story. Eight quarterbacks have been invited to the Elite 11 finals in Los Angeles so far, June 14 to 16. Dylan Rayola, Georgia commit, is going to be there. Julian Sayan, Alabama commit, who might be the future of Alabama quarterbacking as they kind of are in the muck a little bit right now. C.J. Carr, the grandson of Lloyd Carr, who picked Notre Dame over Michigan, he's going to be there. And then Ohio State's Air Noland, and Michigan's Jaden Davis are going to be there. Listen, yep. it's it's a lot of fun, right? But also it is, people know the C.J. Stroud story. of It's a late invite to the Elite 11. He sets the world on fire. He gets the Ohio State offer off of Elite 11, and we're off to the races. It is a moment. It's it, it's a line in the sand a little bit. It, it, it maybe is, it's the end of the beginning of the process, or it's the beginning of the real beginning. That it's sort of like the transition from you're no longer a high school recruit. Now you're an almost college dude. Most of you are committed. Or if you're this good, you're here and everybody's after you because you don't have, you haven't committed yet. But it's, it's a chance to go up against each other. How much should Ohio State fans be interested in what comes out of the Elite 11 finals, June 14 to 16? When it comes to how Air Noland looks compared to how Jaden Davis looks, I think it's the only, the most important thing this summer for Ohio State when it comes to quarterback situations. And here's why Justin Fields had nothing to do with Ohio State at the time that he went to Elite 11, but he went in there always being the guy right behind Trevor Lawrence in that 2017 summer for that 2018 class. And then he beat him. And it was like, oh, both of these guys might be generational. You just mentioned C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud used that. I, I, I kind of tweeted this. I was, I said it facetiously, but actually it's true. C.J. Stroud turned a late, last-minute Elite 11 invite because D.J. Uyunglele dropped out because he wanted to focus on high school and then turning himself into the number two pick in the NFL draft. That doesn't happen. Who knows if all this other stuff happens or not? All because he got a late invite and then he kicked butt. For three days, Quinn Ewers was was committed to Ohio State. This is before the Quinn Ewers saga. He went to Elite Eleven as well, and he was good. But 
I don't know if people walked out of there thinking that he's that much better than some of the guys in his class, even if the rating was still the rating. Like guys like Cade Klubnick and Malik Murphy, they kind of held their own. And it was like, oh, these guys are awesome too. Ohio State, it didn't have anything to do with Devin Brown at the time, but Devin Brown went in there and used it to really raise his profile in the summer of 2021 as a member of the 22 class. And in the 23 class, Ohio State didn't have a quarterback. They didn't have a representative, so there was nobody to do that. Aaron Nolan can be that for this class. Ohio State has a very good history of having quarterbacks, whether they had relation to them or not at the time, go on to lead 11 and very much raise their profile. And you start looking at kids a little differently and they use that momentum and it kind of spurs the rest of their career. So it's very important because Aaron Nolan and Jane Davis were already at the regional together. So that was the first time people got to see them head to head. But if Aaron Nolan goes in there and spends four days kicking butt and Jaden Davis sucks, that matters. If Jaden Davis is awesome and Aaron Nolan sucks, that's going to matter too. But you know who else is going to matter? Dylan Rayola. If Aaron Nolan comes out of there and he kicks butt and the other two don't, it's like, oh, Ohio State's 2024 quarterback is better than Michigan's, but also we got the better end of the deal in the Dylan Rayola loss. But if Dylan Rayola goes in there and he's everything that people think he is and Aaron Nolan and Jaden Davis are a little iffy, Ohio State fans are going to care about that as well. Okay, put that on your calendar, folks. June 14 to 16 in LA. I think that's that's the most interesting head-to-head when we think about Ohio State Michigan recruiting right now. We'll do the next one that is an interesting head-to-head after this on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. One other that, right, Stephen, is a pretty direct head-to-head is at the running back position where Jordan Marshall out of Cincinnati commits to Michigan. There's a little bit of a uh, moment for Ohio State, and then they land James Peoples right on top of that. They're both top 100 national recruits. And we see, right, this is not dissimilar from Donovan Edwards' Trevion Henderson in the class of 2021. And we saw how vital Donovan Edwards was to Michigan last year. And we we have seen how vital, good, healthy Travion Henderson is to Ohio State and how much they miss him when he's not himself, when he's when he's held back by injuries. The way the Peoples and Marshall thing worked out, that Marshall went to pick Michigan first and then Ohio State gets Peoples. I think it's pretty clear with the Travion Donovan Edwards thing. And there's, you know, there was reporting on this. There's, uh, I, there's a chapter about this in my recruiting book that it's like, you know, Donovan Edwards, according to Tony Alford, was like all ready to come to Ohio State. And they just kind of said we're mm-hmm. taking Trey and Evan Pryor and Donovan Edwards and Tony Alford have a good relationship. And he winds up at Michigan and people are trying to flip Trey and they're trying to use Donovan Edwards situation to flip Trey away from Ohio State. And Tony Alford's trying to manage all these things at once. But it's like he's happy for Donovan Edwards, that Donovan Edwards finds a good home at Michigan. And then Donovan Edwards is awesome. And also Travion Henderson, when he's healthy, can be awesome. So it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, my God. But it's just, you know, both those guys matter for their schools. The way that it worked out with Jordan Marshall to Michigan and James Peoples to Ohio State, is it just it works out for everybody? Great. Let's see what happens when they get there. And we think these are going to be two impactful running backs. Or is there anything more to that that like, oh, it could have been this, it could have been that? How did the dominoes fall there? I think there's a world where both Jordan Marshall and um, James Peoples are both at Ohio State. They would have taken both of those guys. So that's part of this. I think the major difference in the moment felt like with the Travion – Donovan Edwards, Evan Pryor thing, it was like, we'll take any of the three. We want two. Whichever two of you pop first, that's who's coming. And Evan popped, and then a week later, Travion popped, and it felt like for a moment Donovan was ready to pop, but then he didn't pop. So it's like, all right, well, he's going to Michigan now. This situation feels a lot less like, well, you just – the spots were taken before you were ready, and more like Ohio State just lost in the battle for Jordan Marshall. So at least for like those six days before um, Peoples came aboard, it was like – 
Michigan just beat Ohio State for a top 100 recruit who lives an hour and a half from Ohio State. So from a perception standpoint, Michigan was winning the battle until you got James Peoples on board. So now it is more just like, okay, well, we'll see in three years who ended up getting the better back because they're both ranked pretty quick. Uh, equally there they're both going to be here in the top 100 for most un- until we get through signing day and maybe uh, maybe both of those guys rise or fall a little bit but they'll be in the same category so now we are at the point where it's both of these teams have good running backs but who which one is actually quality when they get on the field so there will just like with Travion and Donovan how we're going to continue to pr- compare them until they both get out of here we'll do the same thing with Peoples and Jordan Marshall James Peoples, according to the 247 Sports Composite, is the number six running back and the number 77 overall recruit in the class of 2024. Jordan Marshall is the number eight running back and the number 89 overall recruit. There's a guy named Taylor Tatum from Texas who is now the number one running back in that composite, Mm -hmm. the number 31 overall player. He has one crystal ball from a Texas insider, and he's a Texas guy, to Michigan. He's expected to visit Michigan in June. That would be interesting, Stephen. Again, this is mm-hmm. okay. Oh, can Ohio State State get multiple five star receivers in a class? Yeah, because they throw the ball and they have that reputation. Could Michigan get multiple top one hundred running backs in a class because they run the ball like crazy and they're gonna they can show people Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards from last year and then show them a, another version of it this year? I think they have a chance to both get a thousand yards this year. I mean, Donovan Edwards got nine hundred last year, but it's because Blake Corm right. got hurt. I just think they maybe. Will lean on Corm a little less, make it more of a timeshare, and then they can tell Taylor Tatum and Jordan Marshall, like, by the way, hey, 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 here's this. Like, does that seem possible for Michigan? And like, what would it mean for Michigan? I think at your best, right, in recruiting, you want to be able to every now and then get some surprises, maybe in areas where you don't have a reputation. But really, as we've seen with Ohio State and receivers, you lean into your reputation and bang, bang, bang. Nail it. We're good at this. Players who do this now want to come here. So as hard as Ohio State, and this maybe is where the transformation could take place for Michigan, Stephen. As good as Ohio State's been throwing the ball, their their loop is complete. Quarterback, receiver, recruiting, quarterback and receiver production, quarterback and receiver recruiting. Like that's rolling. Mm-hmm. Michigan, like Running back offensive line recruiting, running back offensive line production, I feel like the recruiting end of that is not all the way fully mm. looped in the, the production end of it. And if they close that loop and now it's top 100 offensive linemen, top 100 running backs, top 100, that would be a change for Michigan, right? And if they wind up with the number one and number eight running backs in the class of 2024, that would be a step toward that. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how much interest from Tatum comes out of that official visit, especially because a lot of that momentum he had for Michigan was pre-Jordan Marshall decision. So that's like we'll see over the next month whether that's still a strong thing or not. I think you have a point there, but I think it's missing a churn on the wheel, and that's the draft element. It's the recruiting, development, production, draft them. Recruiting, development, production, draft them. And Ohio State's draft them started with Garrett and Chris. And now you've got yep. Jackson. The recruiting isn't going to stop anytime soon. And the development and production right now is in the the production. Right, right now, the draft is Jackson Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. The production is Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Julian Fleming. The development is Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, Noah Rogers. The recruitment is Mylon Graham, Jeremiah Smith. And that's just going to keep churning on itself. We'll see. As got, the, the first draft situation maybe will be quorum and Donovan Edwards a year from now. Coram coming back kind of threw off the draft part of this, but we'll see that with them, and then we'll see who's behind them from the development and the production standpoint, and then Tatum and Marshall can be the recruiting element. But we haven't seen it. We've seen bits and pieces, but we haven't seen it maximized the same way we've seen it maximized with quarterback and receiver at Ohio State. And that's just – some of that is Harbaugh just had to climb a little higher to get the program to the point where it can be – kind of on a, a on a, a conveyor belt at will for what he wants to do at, at Michigan. So we're seeing the early steps of it. Can he complete at least part of it with, Ta- with Tatum and, and Marshall and then Quorum and Edwards on the field and potentially in the draft in the spring? I think we just created a thing there. I think you just created a thing there, Stephen. I can see a metric where you take every Ohio State position 
And like every year at a certain time, it's probably post-draft, post-spring football. Mm -hmm. But you just, you grade, maybe on a scale of one to 10, maybe a letter grade, each position by draft, production, development, and recruiting. Like what, what you just did, what you are doing, what you're about to do, and what you're projected to do. Like the, Like where are you in that? And I do think like the example you just said, draft, Ohio State receivers, draft, Jackson Smith and Jigba, 10. Production, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, 10. Mm-hmm. Development, Carnell Tate, some Jaden Ballard, um, Kojo Antwi, seven. nine and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Depends how much depends on what you think of Carnell Tate's spring, I guess, right? But also and also yeah. um Brandon Ennis isn't here yet. And then recruiting, Jeremiah Smith, Mylon Graham, everybody else, they've had their hands in 10. And then you go to like every other position where you're not going to have a bunch of 10s, right? But like that's, and it's, and it's slightly more complicated. I mean, it's not exactly senior, junior, sophomore, freshman. It's not that, but no. it is, it's like the assembly line. It's moving down the assembly line because there are absolutely parts where recruiting good, Development seems good. Production, what happened? Mm-hmm. Or like, I don't know, recruiting, I don't know. Development, we can't tell. Production, holy moly. You got there anyway. Or like... D-line is like that right now. Yeah. The recruiting is probably a 10. The development is probably like a 7. The production is like a 5. And the draft is a It just like goes down... Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do this this summer. This is actually a really good idea. And it's it's almost a good way, to, especially with the stuff that like we can do it for every position because that's what we're going to do. But you can really do it and zero it in on what is the team supposed to be good at? Because right. with Michigan, it's like if, if, if Ohio State's linebacker play, if all four of those grades are like a six, OK, that's not what they do. If their wide receiver and quarterbacks were six, sound the alarm. Because that is what Ryan Day has told us he wants the Ohio State program to be under him, both in words and in what his actions have been. Michigan wants to run the ball with multiple people. So if their running backs and their offensive line are at least an eight, you should be sounding the alarm. With Georgia, if their defensive positions are like a six, you're like, huh? What's going on there? So it's almost as much as you want to do it for every position – Programs tell you what they want to be good at, how they want to win. So this would be almost a grade of like, are you good at the things you're supposed to be good at? And are you at least okay at the things that just need to be okay? And where are the circumstances where the thing you're not good at, you make up for it with the thing you are good at? Because you could have a cycle and maybe even linebacker right now would be this, where it's like, you could look at recruiting at linebacker. Eh, Like, I I guess... So right now you'd say recruiting at linebacker is maybe like a six at the moment. Development with like what you think CJ Hicks might be, what you maybe think Gabe Powers could still be, right? Maybe you're mm-hmm. thinking like, oh, that's pretty good. Then product production, what Tommy Eichenberg did last year, the mm-hmm. way Steel Chambers played last year. But then draft, the draft might drop off because I don't know, just because Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers might play really good football again this year, I don't think they're going to be first-round picks. So then right. it's like, what happened? And it's like, well, maybe there was some recruiting lag. Mm-hmm. We weren't sure about development, but maybe the scheme helped Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers produce. And by the way, they both worked their butts off. Mm-hmm. And then still in the back end, that like the raw talent still isn't quite there. But you sort of maximize the production, even if the beginning and the end weren't that high. So there, that's maybe scheme, credit to the individual players for maximizing their ability. And then there might be other places where it's like, well, the recruiting was great. Mm-hmm. And then the scheme didn't take advantage of the player's skills, right? And then the NFL is like, well, the scheme sucked, but these guys can ball out. Right. So now you could have a dip, you could have a peak, you could have a a plateau of good, a plateau of mediocre, a plateau of bad. But it is, I almost could see this being, Stephen, like on the performance evaluations that coaches get, you could almost have this rubric. Like, okay, coach, 
How did you recruit? How did you develop? How did your guys produce? And how did you help them get to the league? Mm -hmm. And you individually are graded that way. We could almost grade it like we're Gene Smith or Ryan Day grading the coaches. Because as much as recruiting, that's to the program. Did you serve the program in your recruiting? Development, that's to the player. Did you develop them on the way up, on the way to getting ready to play? Production, that's back to the program again. Whatever mm-hmm. the first two were, you got to have guys who were ready to play and help this team. And then draft, that's once again back to the player. Did you help these guys achieve their dreams the best they could, right? So, oh. We just figured it out. Because there could, there could be an offensive, like a Dewan Jones, right? Like the whole, like Greg Stoudrawa. There's a world where like Greg Stoudrawa could have been like, at times like low on recruiting, pretty darn high in development, pretty good in mm-hmm. production. And then the draft, like it didn't go for DeWan as you expected. Like how do you, Luke Whipler went lower than expectedly. Sure played for well for Ohio State last year and he was a top mm-hmm. 100 recruit and he was ready in year two when maybe he didn't think he'd have to be ready until year three. Okay, all right. Well, now we're just, now we're just, the best <laughs> podcasts are planning podcasts. All right, so we just created a whole summer series here on Buckeye Talk. Let's go to another position. That is part of this discussion, Stephen, and you are also writing about Ohio State Michigan recruiting as part of the Michigan series. You guys can look for that at Kaluma.com slash OSU on Friday. This offensive line discussion, there's there's some interesting stuff where there are guys at the same school who are going to the two mm-hmm. different places. We have talked about it previously on this podcast. There seems to be a little bit of a rivalry developing of like, hey, where's the better place to go? Hey, who are the guys who have offers from both and chose one or the other? Who are the guys that only had an offer from one and never got an offer from the other? Ian Moore, the best Ohio State offensive line recruit in the class of 2024, has chimed in from the state of Indiana into this conversation. Right now, Stephen, is Michigan recruiting in the class of 2024 or in this recent period? Are they recruiting better on the offensive line than Ohio State? Or, or no, is Ohio State recruiting better on the offense, offensive line, even though Michigan's kind of a more of an offensive line reputation? Well, I would say more of an offensive line reputation. Paris Johnson's the freaking number six pick in the draft. It's hard to get a better <laughs> offensive line reputation from that. So let's not forget that. But Michigan runs the ball effectively. Where's the offensive line recruiting right now for these two schools? It's actually answer C. I think it's pretty equal right now with what they have. Okay, uh, Michigan's got a top 150 kid. Um, Adam and the Missouri Andrew Sprague, who's the number 143 player in the country, number nine tackle. Ohio State's got a top 150 kid in Ian Moore, number 112 player, the number six interior offensive lineman. And then the rest of the group is like in the 350s and it's the, those Ohio kids. And so let, let, let's kind of get into that here. It's four kids we're talking about here. We're talking about Deontay and Devontae Armstrong, two twins out of St. Edwards Lake, in Lakewood, Ohio, which is in our territory as Cleveland.com. And then their teammate, Ben Roebuck is committed to Michigan. He he is the number 462 player, the number 32 tackle, while Deontay Armstrong is the number 332 player and number 29 tackle. And Devontae is the number 358 player and number 21 interior offensive lineman. And then the fourth guy in that who isn't part of that offensive line at St. St. Ed's um, Lake in Lakewood, Ohio, is Luke Hamilton out of Avon, the number 359 player, the number 22 interior offensive lineman. So basically both teams have a top 150 national recruit commit, and then they have two Ohio – two Ohio kids who were in the three hundreds. You talked to all the kids at St. Ed, mm-hmm. right? Is that right? I did. So the arms, the Armstrong twins and Roebuck all start on that St. Ed offensive line together, right? They do. Yeah. What What's the alignment there? Do you know, like what is, are they all next to each other? Like, <laughs> no, I, Armstrong I believe, is the, in Roebuck of the tackles. Well, Armstrong, the, the, sorry, the, Deontay, and Ben Roebuck are the tackles, and Devontae is on the interior, which is what they'll be playing in college as well. Okay. So is it weird? Like, do they <laughs> love the rivalry part? Like, are they sick of it already? I mean, this is no – the idea that Cleveland is a can be a battleground for Ohio State, yeah. Michigan, is certainly – that's not a new idea. And so that this is happening is certainly far from the first time it's happening. It's far from the first time that high school teammates – have been preparing to go off to opposite sides of this rivalry. How do these guys take it? They know it's interesting, but 
they're only going to continue to have fun with it during the offseason because they just won a state championship this past year. St. Ed's didn't. They're trying to do that again because St. Ed's is one of the better high school powers in Ohio. So it's it's a fun thing to do on social media. So there's been a couple of times this spring where we've seen them talking trash to each other on social media, especially once everybody was committed and getting involved to it and getting the fans riled up about it. <laughs> Deontay said something that was, I think, the most interesting, well, no, it's interesting, but the funniest thing about it is people don't realize that when we're going at it on social media, we're typically all sitting right next to each other and just laughing about it. So oh, it's, it's this, yeah. So it's like, it's this thing. I think people, sometimes people need to remember that we're dealing with 16 year olds on social media and they know how to get people riled up, i.e. Jeremiah Smith, but it's this thing. That's a thing that they can't really think about right now. They understand that the moment their high school careers are done, they're going to have a quote-unquote hatred for each other because of the rivalry. But right now, they're just normal teammates trying to win together and while also having some fun on social media along the way with it. So they did it in April, expect it to really ramp up in November as we get closer and closer to that game. So you're saying there are two offensive line commits in the 2024 Michigan class who are from Ohio, right? Yes. Roebuck and Hamilton. Is there anything about that recruiting that you think should worry Ohio State fans, that Michigan is going to start taking more Ohio kids that Ohio State wants? And if they're going to do that, maybe, of course, they would start on the offensive line because that's maybe where their strength is. That really, right, how good Michigan is is the overriding thing. But is Michigan stealing good Ohio players that fans and the Ohio State staff think should be Buckeyes is really the heart of it. This is really, mm-hmm. all of this is really a Desmond Howard, Charles Woodson conversation. That's what this is about. And it will continue to be about because it's just not quite the same the other way. We did make a big deal about it when Ohio State got Mike Weber out of Cast Tech. When they got Damon Webb out of Cast Tech, that's a big deal. They got Michael Jordan from the suburbs of Detroit, who became a three-year starter on the Ohio State offensive line. That was a big deal. It is not consistent, though. They kind of stumbled into Vernon Golston out of Cast Tech, who wound up being a top 10 pick out of Ohio State and and like made huge plays in the Ohio State-Michigan game in 2007. Like That turned out to be really impactful. But it's not like Ohio State, needs to live off Michigan recruiting. Mm -hmm. There is, there has been a historic part of Michigan that Michigan, if Michigan can take a couple good Ohio state players, that is a, that is a thing that can change the rivalries. Like, Oh, can it change the rivalry? It's like, I don't know. Put Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard on Ohio state and ask me if it changed, ask somebody if it would have changed the rivalry. So could we get to that? Are we a, is there any part of this that is approaching that? Because early on, Stephen, and again, there's a part of this, Jim Harbaugh just does it in an unusual way. But early on, it was like he was not here. He was not coming into right. Ohio. And I think in the end, he didn't want to come into Ohio and lose. But now they're they're starting, it feels like. What do you think the current state of Michigan recruiting in the state of Ohio is? And what do you think the future might be? Of the guys who are currently in Michigan's class, the answer to the original question there is no. Michigan is not coming into Ohio and stealing Desmond Howard and Charles Woodson and on down the list because there's been plenty of Ohio guys who have like come to bite Ohio State in the, in the butt because Michigan got them. Jordan Marshall's the only one who would probably fall under that category because, listen, Ian Moore, Ben Roebuck, and and um, his name is escaping and Luke Hamilton, excuse me. We're all at the same camp last summer. And Ian Moore is the only one of those three who walked away with an offer. So that there's gotta be some built in context of Luke Hamilton had said some things a couple of months ago that were very, he was very frustrated with how Ohio state had treated him. It's because he didn't have an offer. Ben Roebuck doesn't have an Ohio state offer. Devante and Deontay did get the offer. So that is part of this here is, are you stealing you, – you, the question you asked was, is Michigan stealing players Ohio State's once out of its backyard? That's a very big difference between, like, just coming to Ohio and stealing guys, right? So 
those guys will be like Aaron Scott, a top 100 cornerback, a Bryce West from Glenville, who was at Ohio State's feeder school for 15 years. If Michigan gets those guys, then your ears perk up of, is Michigan starting to raid Ohio State, the backyard of Ohio State for a little bit? But right now, that's not happening. Ohio State had a pecking order for the offensive lineman and won it. As, as, as far as who's already committed here and Ian Moore and the Armstrong twins were one, two, and three, and they got one, two, and three while Michigan got Ben Roebuck and Luke Hamilton. It's not saying that they got the leftovers of Ohio. I don't want it to be painted that way because congratulations for these kids to be able to go play for a power five school, but you did not have an Ohio state offer. And it is also fueling part of the reason why you do not like Ohio state, which is probably pro Michigan and allowing Michigan to maybe win some of the perception battle. That's been this spring of as Michigan having a better spring than Ohio state is from a recruiting standpoint. You have to judge head to head battles. You have to, mm-hmm. that's the best way to judge I think the best way to judge recruiting is who did you get and who else wanted the guy that you got and how many guys did you want? that another school got instead. So every time Alabama gets a player that Ohio State wants, that matters. Every time Ohio State gets a player that Clemson or Georgia wants, that matters. So every time Michigan gets a player that Ohio State wants, that matters. But every time Ohio State gets a player that Michigan wants, that matters. So I I think Harbaugh still probably strategically knows when they have a shot and when they don't. I don't know if he wants to go head-to-head all that often. We certainly saw this, I think, in New Jersey for a little bit. There was a time like, hey, Ohio State's doing pretty well in New Jersey. And then actually, you know, Michigan got Jabril Peppers and Rashawn Gary out of New Jersey. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, maybe like that Michigan's doing pretty well there. There are times when you can sort of stake out your territory where somebody is not and try to be like, let's dominate here before they come in here, right? And then there are times when you have to go head to head in the same territory. So you always have to be on alert for head-to-head battles. And it's you said it exactly right, Stephen. Like, it's not to, like, criticize kids about, oh, you didn't have an offer from this place. Look at all the really, really good players from Ohio that Mark D'Antonio won a lot with at Michigan mm-hmm. State. And once they got to Michigan State and were, like, playing well against the Buckeyes, it's like, I don't know. If they didn't have an offer, they were fueled by that. You're almost more fueled by not getting the yeah. offer. If it just would have been like, oh, no, I just picked him. Thanks for the offer. I just picked the other guy. You're not as mad. You're more mad when you don't have the offer. You probably talk more trash, right? It's not that J.J. McCarthy didn't turn down Ohio State. Ohio State turned down him. That's why he's extra mad. So Mm -hmm. I think if you're Michigan, you almost want the mad guys. Yep. It's great. That's got to be part of the pitch there. It's like your homeschool didn't want you. You grew up loving this school. They didn't want you. They didn't want you. They didn't want you. And then they get on the field, and it's like, hey, Ben. Remember how that school didn't want you? You should go over there and you should put that five-star edge rusher into the ground time and time again because they wanted that guy. And he's from like Nevada. They didn't want you. And you're from like two hours up the road. And this has been the thing that we've, we we always are very aware of, the schools that are trying to capitalize on the Ohio kids that Ohio State's not taking. And it's been Michigan State. It's been Kentucky. But there was a time there where it wasn't as much Michigan. So if mm-hmm. Michigan's even doing that, but they're not leaning entirely on that, they're getting Jaden Davis. They're getting Donovan Edwards. They're getting J.J. McCarthy. And then they're also getting some excellent players from Ohio mm-hmm. that maybe didn't have an Ohio State offer, but everybody else wanted. That's a great strategy. So, but it it is different than, let's get like, you know, if Bryce West and Aaron Scott pick Michigan over Ohio state. That's a different conversation. <laughs> the podcast is on fire, right? Like yes. that is. <laughs> yeah. So, Oof. so like that's, we, we just have to add the context. And again, the end, in the end, the idea is, is good players. So, so that's the goal. But at the moment, it, it like on the worry meter, Stephen, right. You would say the worry meter is not quite. You know, it's like, congratulate. Michigan is recruiting better, maybe, than it has been. They're a little bit up. I think you outlined it well. It's sort of this point in the cycle that's contributing to it. Yes, right mm-hmm. now, Michigan has four more commits. They're second. Ohio State's third. But it's not that Michigan is winning eight head-to-head battles against Ohio State while they're doing this. Right. It's it, They're recruiting better, but they're still not rec- – it's like you're, if your recruiting was a D – and Ohio State's was an A. It's just now Michigan's is like a B minus. Still not a better grade than Ohio State's. Now, with that context of 
there's probably not a world right now where Michigan ever recruits better than Ohio State. But as the last two years have shown, you don't have to. You just have to recruit to a way that maximizes what you want to do. So is is Michigan recruiting better going to prolong how many more years it can beat Ohio State or make it in a way where fans are nervous? You know what I'm saying? Does it make this more of a competitive thing more than just two years? Because that's the question now is if you're recruiting at a D and you beat Ohio State two times in a row pretty emphatically, if you start recruiting at a B – does that mean that this is going to become the new normal? That Ohio, that Michigan's going to start wiping the floor with Ohio State? No, probably not. It probably would just be a competitive thing, and we're both teams or playoff teams going forward. But that's your worry now is Michigan was already beating you when it was at the floor, and now it's reached the living room. What does that mean for the rivalry game come every November? I can remember, I know like Glenville guys have referenced this, that Pierre Woods came out of Glenville and went mm-hmm. to Michigan and he was sort of like right at the beginning with Dante Whitner and Troy Smith, like sort of like those mm-hmm. first Glenville guys, but like the Glenville pipeline to Ohio state was not established yet. And Michigan mm-hmm. was able to come in and get Pierre woods. And then like, then all the Glenville guys started going to Ohio state. I think like, it's been like Pierre Woods is kind of like, Oh man, like I didn't know that was going to be a thing. Like, a, but so you could have been, okay, well that was like, that's a good get for Michigan to come get Pierre woods. It's 20 years ago now. But if they had gotten Ted Ginn Jr. and Dante Whitner and Chris yeah. Worley and Jermail Hines and they're like repeatedly beating Ohio State for Cleveland kids, that's an that's an entirely different conversation. And so like that's not where that was, and that's not where this is right now. So there's one other sort of uh, way of evaluating this that I want to get into. We'll do that next on Buckeye Talk. So Stephen, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but I did it for some Ohio State classes and some Michigan classes because I was trying to check something. And it's trying to figure out what a school's overall recruiting number is as a percent compared to another school. So on the 247 Sports Composite, right, they give a team like a point total. Mm -hmm. So rather than just doing the ranking, I divided the Michigan point total each year by the Ohio State point total to try to figure out Michigan's class was what percent as good Mm. as Ohio State's class. So for instance, in 2016, Michigan's overall rating is 280.38. Ohio State's is 289.62. That's 97% of Ohio State's class. It's like, okay, well, I don't know. Like that's they were 97% as good. If your recruiting is 97% as good as the team you're going against, it's not equal, but can you compete with them? Can you maybe beat them every now and then? I don't know. It's not like it's 40%. It's 97% as good. Okay. So here's the percentages by year. Starting in 2016, 97, 95, 73%. So that's a dip. It's like, oh, that was class number two, class 22. The only 73% of Ohio State's class. It's 106% of Ohio State's class because it's better in 19. Right. Then it's 89%, So actually, that is a little reminder to me that that's like the Ryan Day era. That's through the 23 class. So that's from 20 to 23 is 89, 81, 87, 85. Whereas opposed to 16, 17, they were 97, 95 with Urban. So like the gap, it's like actually that gap between Ohio State and Michigan has been a little bigger the last four years than it was the previous four years. It's bigger from 20 to 23 than it is from 16 to 19. Michigan was had a, had a more of a percentage of Ohio State's rating between 16 and 19 than it does between 20 and 23. So let's just keep that in mind. It's not like, because I thought maybe it would have been the opposite. Oh, they're still behind Ohio State, but they're, they're getting closer. Their percentage is closer and look at showing on the field. It's not. It's not a huge drop-off, but it's not. So that's 105% right now because Ohio State's behind them in this class. But here's the thing. This is why I did that, Stephen. Because in that class calculator, as you very well know, you can take guys out. You can put guys in. It's a wonderful device that they have there. So what I wanted to do was I took out – so sometimes with the class calculator, they have the transfers in there too. So I took out all the transfers. I went by the real classes. But then I took out all the quarterbacks and all the receivers from both classes. And maybe you've done this before. 
Yep. So, okay, we know Ohio State's better at that. What about everything else? In 2022, that class, Ohio State was 90% of – Michigan was 90% of Ohio State in 2022. Without the receivers and the quarterbacks, they were 88%. So the percent actually went down a little mm. bit. So it's like, okay, it's not that. In the 2023 class, the incoming freshman – Michigan was 85% of Ohio State's class. Without the receivers and the quarterbacks, they were 94%. So they were much closer to Ohio State when you take out the receivers and the quarterback. And that is like what interests me a little bit. And right now, if you take out... So Michigan's ahead of Ohio State in the 24 class. So right now in 2024, Ohio State's class is 95% of Michigan's class. Okay, because Michigan's Mm -hmm. ahead. If you take out the receivers and the quarterbacks right now, Ohio State's class is 80% of Michigan's class. So that's a drop, right? So the last two years, Michigan's recruiting is, if you take out the receivers and the quarterbacks, Michigan's much closer to Ohio State, right? They're in a better spot. It's significant. I don't know what it would have been like all the way back in every single class, but that's the thing that I was maybe prepared for, Stephen, that, okay, because here in the end is the thesis. Have we reached the point or are we getting to the point where Michigan's recruiting at every position other than quarterback and receiver is basically equal to Ohio State? And then in the game... Ohio State is not able, either because Michigan won't let them, the weather, the strategy, whatever, they don't maximize where their recruiting edge exists the most. Ohio State's quarterbacks and receivers are not winning the Michigan game for them, and everything else is even. So there we go. And then the answer is, okay, we can look at the recruiting and say, Ohio State recruits better. But it's all based on one aspect of the game, and that aspect is not winning them the game. So that's the issue. I wondered if that was true. Going back, right, before tw- before this incoming fr- – like, it's not true right now. If you look at the mm. 2022 class, it's not true. I thought maybe it would be like, oh, my God. Michigan is, you know, 85% of Ohio State, but if you take out – the, the quarterbacks and receivers, they're 98% of Ohio State. That's what I maybe thought it would be. Historically, I don't think that's what it is. Maybe last year and this year, we're getting there with that. But just forget my weird stats. Like anecdotally, just when you look at the class, when you think about recruiting strategy, when you look at the results, do you think we might be approaching that? Where Michigan's, yes, Jaden Davis is great, but Michigan's never going to recruit the passing game like Ohio State does. But can they recruit everything else at close to the same level? I think it goes back to our new grading scale that we just invented. I think you're on to something there. And I do think that it's a possibility that Ohio State is in danger of. Now, we'll see because Ohio State seems to have figured some things out with the NIL space. So maybe – that nips itself in the bud before it really ever gets going. But I think the logic you just applied to the recruiting classes, you could probably, you probably could have applied to the last two games. Why did we all think that Ohio state was just going to walk in the Ann Arbor in 21 and just go bananas because CJ Stroud, Kara Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jackson Smith, the Jigba existed. And we had just watched them go all bananas on Michigan state. So we were coming off that high. Why did we think that maybe last year 21 was a one-off? Because CJ's child, Marvin Harrison, and Mecca Booker are awesome. What if you just took them out of the equation? How good is Ohio State's football team? What if you, the last two years, it got like, so the recruiting is there at multiple spots, but the development and the production wasn't always there. The quarterback and wide receiver are the only two places under the in the, in the Ryan Day era who every single year, both the recruiting and the development and production have been there. And now we're getting the draft part just because that's you just got to wait for time to catch up to you to get that. That can't be said at other spots. So there is a legitimate chance here that the development and production at every spot other than quarterback and wide receiver at Michigan was at least equal. Maybe even better when you add in guys like Aiden Hutchinson and David, David uh, Ajabo. You know, so it, there's a chance, yes. I think we're – we'll see – 
how this class ends up, but I do think it's peeking around the corner of the idea of that Ohio State and Michigan are equal in the four facets everywhere but, but quarterback and wide receiver, which means that it's going to look shiny in the recruiting rankings in Ohio State's favor, but in the game it might look at Michigan's favor. Because I do think we could look at the 18 and 19 Ohio State-Michigan games, and you would say, why did Ohio State destroy Michigan in those games? And it's because they threw the ball like crazy all over them. They couldn't yep. cover Ohio State. And so Ohio State beat Michigan in 18 and 19 by maximizing what Ohio State does best, by exploiting their biggest edge. doesn't mean Michigan was terrible. Michigan was favored in at least one mm-hmm. of those games. But Ohio State did what it does best. And as we've said many times, C.J. Stroud averaged like 350 passing yards against Ohio against Michigan. It's not like Michigan shut down the Ohio State passing game. But it reached the point where that passing game alone was not enough to beat Michigan. So mm-hmm. if you're not winning almost, you know, at least majority based on the thing where you have your biggest edge, is the rest of it closer? It's not equal yet. It's not. But we're going to, I think going forward, that is the way that I am going to try to view Ohio State Michigan recruiting. Acknowledge Ohio State's superiority in recruiting the passing game. Tip the cat for Michigan for the Jaden Davis recruitment, but really focus on everything else offensive line, defensive line, secondary, running backs, everything else. Is Michigan ahead? Are they basically even? Is Ohio State still ahead? And then take that into consideration. While I will continue to believe Ohio State's best way to win the game, Stephen, is by throwing the ball like crazy. Now, again, it's not that they haven't thrown the ball like crazy. It's that 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 hasn't been enough because Ohio State's lost the other parts of that. So even if we're saying in recruiting, Michigan is now equal to Ohio State in recruiting or is almost equal to Ohio State in recruiting, if they get to that point, they're not there yet. But even if they equal it, okay, Fight every other aspect of the game to a draw, Stephen. Your defenses are equally good. Your offensive lines are equally good. Your run games are equally good. And then Ohio State wins the passing game and they win. So like that's the strategy. Even if Ohio, even if Michigan's recruiting well. So I just I I still view it through that lens. It affects everything I do in my analysis of that game. Cause I, I don't care, like regard I know the weather's the weather. I as long as it's not. A, a, a tsunami like against Northwestern where you can't literally throw a football, Ohio State has to be able to throw the win, but they have to make sure the other parts of the game don't destroy them along the way. But I think it's a reasonable way. It's not, and we're not on here. Sometimes I know people get, every now and then we hear from listeners who are like, oh my gosh, all you guys, you guys love the Michigan's good. What? We just got to talk about it. Like it's the number one yeah. thing happening with Ohio State. Michigan is good and Michigan's won the last two games. Like we, ha- of course we're going to talk about that. So I don't want to, it's like, you have to be careful in life. You can't take something that someone does really well and just take it for granted and be like, oh yeah, they recruit five-star receivers and quarterbacks. Who cares? That's not what we're doing. We're acknowledging that edge. Wow. That's awesome. That's not Ohio State's history. Wow. Ryan Day and Brian Hartline. Man. Boom, boom, boom. 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Every four, all four levels of the thing we just created. Great. But if you're not winning the game, like what does the rest of the football mean? So. I am going to watch the recruiting, Stephen, outside running, outside quarterback and receiver. How close is Michigan to Ohio State in recruiting, or are they even passing them? At the moment, they've gotten closer. They might be on the verge of passing them, and that's that's what I want to look for. I get where you're coming from. I think I'm more in a space of, like, if everything else is equal, and that means Ohio State's passing game has to be a 10 every single time. It can't be a 9.9. And there have been moments the last two years where it's been like a 9.9 because CJ Stroud had 350 touch, uh, 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 passing yards, but he had like one touchdown. So not, that, that just tells me you're not finishing the drives in those situations. So I look at it more of if everything is equal and the best thing about Michigan's offense is his run game and the best thing about Ohio State's offense is his pass game, whichever one of those two things is better is probably going to win the game. If everything else is just butting heads all day. And right now on the recruiting trail – Ohio State's passing game is better than Michigan's run game because Ohio State's pass game has a top 100 quarterback and two five stars and Ohio and Michigan's run game has one top 100 guy in that list. And that's a running back while it's got a couple of top 150 offensive linemen. So right now on the recruiting trail, it's winning that battle. 
if it continues to win that battle and then it translates to the game, then I don't see this becoming a thing where the rivalry flips. But if we do get into a world where everything is equal or Michigan's better at everything else, while also the running the run game recruiting is at a high level, while the only thing that's at a high level for Ohio State is the pass game on the field and the recruiting trail, that's where we are having a different conversation about where this rivalry is headed. So things for our listeners to watch, Stephen, for the next couple months in recruiting. So we already lined out Air Nolan, Jaden Davis at the Elite 11 finals starting June 14th to Los Angeles. Pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. I think we would say watch this Taylor Tatum situation, the number one running back in the country who is going to visit Michigan. Would Michigan wind up with two of the top 10 running backs in the country in the same class? That that would feel like a little closer to what Ohio State does in recruiting at receiver on a regular basis. And then maybe the continuation, we would imagine both these schools are still looking for another offensive line guy yeah, or two in this uh, class. Uh, maybe not Michigan so much, but definitely Ohio State is looking to add a couple of national guys, uh, Gurji Lambert and Brandon Baker, the, the top two tackles in the country in Ohio State would love to have both of those guys. So for sure, Michigan might, I don't know, I don't cover Michigan, so I'm, I'm t- t- talking about this from the outside. Maybe they're done with offensive line recruiting, maybe they're not. But I know for certainty Ohio State's not done with offensive line recruiting. Okay. Is there anything else that's that's high on your radar when it comes to Ohio State and Michigan recruiting in the next couple months? I think – I am not worried that Bryce West is not going to be a Buckeye whenever he decides to make that decision. He's just going through his process the way that Glenville kids go through their process. I am interested in the Aaron Scott part of this. And because the reason I am is Aaron Scott is the number 56 player and the number six cornerback in the country. And he's from Ohio and he fits the profile of the type of guy where some of times us as media members and fans sometimes can just say, oh, that guy's going to be a Buckeye. Don't worry about it. And sometimes you get those guys like Jackson Carmen who are just like, I never said I was going to just stay home just because my home school is good. You know, Jordan Marshall is the same way. So some kids just don't want to stay home for school. That's, that's just part of this life situation. So I think he'll be a Buckeye as well, but it is something that I think is interesting to see if Michigan can keep plugging at that in a way that he ends up being a Wolverine. I'll throw in one more here that I just stumbled upon looking stuff up. There's a five-star receiver from St. Louis named Ryan Wingo, who is supposed to take an official visit to Michigan on Mm -hmm. June 9th. He's the number 21 overall player in the country. Ohio State doesn't seem to be in on him. They have a lot of other really good receivers already locked in for 2024. This Wingo kid seems like Texas, Missouri, Georgia are also in on him. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. St. Louis is a a place that we've talked about. Ohio State's had success there recently. Um, Mm -hmm. Cam Babb, Cam Brown. Uh, Jamison Williams, right? Like they've been, it's a, they've gotten, they've gone in there for some guys. Just reading Michigan people on that. It's not like, I don't think people are saying like, they're going to get him for sure, but they're getting an official. And if that would be the next thing for me, right? The other thing is like, okay, they got a five-star quarterback. What does it look like? Because the last time they had a five-star receiver in Donovan Peoples-Jones, they didn't develop him the right way. But what if they can somehow get past that? What does this Michigan team look like with elite receiver talent? Because they have solid receivers. They do. I think Cornelius Johnson's a solid guy. I think, you know, Ronnie Bell was a solid player. Roman Wilson's a solid guy. They're solid, but they're not Ohio, they're not close to Ohio State. So just as much as like, okay, you know, can a, do you lean into your strengths? Where can you suddenly leap up? If Michigan adds a five-star receiver, that's a new world. So watch Ryan Wingo or any five-star receiver. Because they just, that's a tough hill for Michigan to climb right now, Stephen, that pitch. But as we've seen, sometimes if you get the quarterback, sometimes the quarterback can pull a receiver. You're my guy. You're my guy. Come here. I'm going to throw the ball to you. It would be curious if Jaden Davis and if this this class of Michigan can manage that, because again, Ohio state just makes this the norm right now. And and Michigan does not. I just feel like wide receiver in Ann Arbor is tied in in Columbus. Where it's like, I mean, yeah. the last the Donovan Peoples Jones is Jeremy Rucker to Columbus. Where it's like you got a highly rated guy, and then like you did, you didn't. I, I would say you didn't develop him right. Jeremy Rucker was pretty quality, but you just didn't use him. So like, there's no reason. For, so why would anybody else come here? It's like Jelani Thurman. Why are you here? Please use Jelani Thurman. 
Yep. Keenan Bailey. Well, Keenan's there now, and his th- philosophy is tight ends are just wide receivers who block. So maybe they actually will get more passes now. But I just I look at those equally, where it's like this thing where you got the highly rated guy that's cool, but are you actually going to use the highly rated guy, or is he just like a body in a room? All right. Hope we gave you a couple things to keep in the back of your mind with Ohio State and Michigan recruiting. And they, again, all week we've been doing it at Cleveland.com slash OSU, our Michigan week. So if you haven't read anything, maybe go there. Go, We call it the river. It's just like all the, the list of stories. Boom, 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 boom. Three this day, four this day, two this day. Boom, 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 boom. Everything we write. Um, if you you know haven't been there in a long time, you can just you know scroll through and see what catches your eye. For Michigan Week, we have a logo. So if you have this, if you see this Ohio State-Michigan logo kind of intertwined, that tells you, oh, that's a Michigan Week story. And um, Stephen will have a recruiting thing as part of that as a supplement to this podcast. So we're done with this now. If you're sick of hearing about Michigan or sick of reading about Michigan next week, we're not going to be doing that anymore. We just mm-hmm. want to hit you at the midway point. We do have a retalkables in the back burner that I think we'll get to sooner than later. And uh, as always, we appreciate you guys making Buckeye Talk part of your week. For now, for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.